podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Cinnamon rolls and chili on a crisp November day. In the heart of football season, Thanksgiving's on its way. Mashed potatoes, turkeys, green beans not from cans. The Bosco boys are thankful for our diehard bonehead fans. Boom, 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 boom. The boys are back. The boys are back, and folks, that was an absolute ass-kicking. K-State 31, Baylor 3. My goodness, folks, what a fun day of college football. So I'll say this. I absolutely hate, absolutely hate watching games at home uh, because I it, it, it becomes way too easy just to be looking at Twitter the entire game. And there's a couple group chats I'm in <laughs> that would attest to how uh, annoyed I was reading Twitter throughout, uh, especially that first quarter. Uh, but it doesn't matter. Uh, it, it was a fun day of college football because um, I know I'm not the only one who really enjoyed watching that West Virginia, uh, you know, come from behind win versus Oklahoma, uh, watching the shit show that was Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and uh, had a couple screens going so I could stay up to date with what was going on, uh, you know, during commercials in that Texas Tech, KU, and Texas TCU game. Before we stop, start talking specifically about that K-State game, in case you were living under a rock, TCU winning 17-10 down in Austin, Texas, means that K-State officially is back in their driver's seat to go to Arlington that first Saturday in December. Um, I know I was super down. Last week, just thinking about it, like thinking, hey, even even if you went out, might be tough to get there. Well, TCU took care of business for us, so hopefully we are going to be having a purple get-together down in Arlington, Texas. I'm on cloud nine, folks. Literally, I, I am on cloud nine after that win. 31-2-3. Uh, you know, Chauncey over the moon he is he's sitting right here i don't know if he's gonna chime in with anything this week uh but all of k-state nation is just on cloud nine again we'll we'll talk more about this on the thursday whip around show but what a week for k-state athletics men's basketball going two and oh Women's basketball getting a big win over Wisconsin going 2-0 and getting their 1,000th win all-time as a program. Volleyball getting a sweep over West Virginia. And hey, I could have egg on my face here in a couple weeks. If they take care of business, um, they still could get to postseason play despite me kind of writing them off and me being very critical of uh, the coaching 
Um, I once again could have egg on my face talking about K-State volleyball. And then, of course, just an exclamation point with that win over Baylor. Remember, K-State opened up, I think when we were having this conversation this time last week, K-State opened up as like a five-point underdog versus Baylor. Closed around two and a half. And it was just an absolute ass-kicking Um where the, the lynch mob defense, the mob defense is absolutely back. There absolutely is a quarterback controversy, or maybe it's not a controversy. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that later, and I'm sure there will be questions about that in the Q&A pod. But, folks, um, it, it's a it's always a great day to be a Wildcat. I agree with Coach Jerome Tang. It's a great day to be a Wildcat. always is. But the coffee is tasting just a bit sweeter on a Sunday morning after a week like that. Before we get into before we get into the amazing game that was, you know them, you love them. I need to give them a shout out, Manhattan Brewing Company. I was drinking the 785 Loggers all game long, and then I had a couple pumpkin boys that I had been saving for a special occasion for down the home stretch of fall. And I was drinking on those after the game. Nothing is as refreshing as a 785 right from Manhattan Brewing Company. And nothing is as delicious as their pumpkin beer. Not only do they have those two beers. Actually, they might be running out of the pumpkin beer. That might all be gone. But they always have a great selection of craft beer. Not only on tap, but in four packs to go. And you can always take a crowler to go as well. So the next time you're in Manhattan, get a couple pints right there in the tap room. And then take a couple four packs to go. I love Manhattan Brewing Company. They've been the biggest supporter of Bosco's Boys this year. So please check them out. And then also... If you're at your local liquor store and they don't have Manhattan Brewing Company, tell them to wise up and start carrying the best, most delicious, and fresh beer in the entire state of Kansas. In my opinion, the region. All right, let's get into it. Guys, absolute ass kicking. I I predicted a win. I was nervous. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I was nervous. This was a big time game. Baylor had, uh, you know, they came into this game hot. You know, Baylor, you know, when they had that loss to BYU and then BYU kind of got exposed as not being great and then they had those back-to-back losses, uh, Oklahoma State, and then on the road at West Virginia, I had I, I, I wrote Baylor off. I thought, all right, they're absolutely nothing. And, and they still have a tough stretch. I mean, they're hosting TCU next week and then they end uh, Black Friday at Texas. So they're in a situation where they might end up being 6-0. But coming off three uh, wins where, you know what, as much as I like to poke fun at KU, they had a solid 12-point win versus KU. They gutted out that win at Oklahoma last week. And they took care of a Texas Tech team, 45-17, that can be quite feisty. So they came into this game feeling hot. And hell, they were in a position where they controlled their own destiny. If they won out, they were going to be in Arlington. So they had everything on the line to play for. Once again, there was a blackout against K-State. The other team turning this into some big celebration, some massive game playing K-State, America's team, um, doing a blackout. They had a couple donors who literally, it's not. they didn't even try to hide it. 
you know, other universities try to hide it. They had a donor buy up, uh, I think, close to 4,000 seats. 4,000 seats and gave them away. Uh, people had, you know, would, would go to the Farrell Center and uh, hand it out. Yeah, it, it was uh, 4,500 tickets. Uh, they, they had a record setting crowd of 47,686. Um, so. You have a big time crowd. They're doing a blackout. They're three and they're on a three game winning streak coming into this game. I was a little bit worried. You know, uh, my mentality. I think some of the fan mentality was a little bit down in the dumps after last week. Which hey, that's what that's why the players play and the fans cheer um, because this team was not having any part of it. Um, that that first drive, we were moving the ball. We we got behind schedule. And, um, look, I we'll, we'll talk about quarterback quarterback play later, but we were moving the ball on them. We converted a fourth and one. We were doing everything we wanted. Then we started getting uh, behind schedule. You know, we had a two-yard run, a two-yard run, an incomplete pass, and then Baylor went all-out blitz and got a sack. At that point, I I wasn't I, I was not overly worried. I was like, all right, hey, we were moving the ball. We just got behind schedule with two two yard runs, uh, and then Baylor started really rushing the ball. They 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 were running the ball basically at will on their first drive. But then lucky luckily enough, uh, they got a little bit behind schedule. They got a little worried. They threw overthrew a guy, and Josh Hayes got the interception. And from that moment on. It was game on. I I love that we did ball control in this game and really suffocated out Baylor. Because if you go back and look at it, we had, what, four drives? Four drives in the first half. And we had five drives uh, in the second half, if you count uh, the final drive where we iced it out. Only nine possessions the entire game. But then you go back and look how many plays we ran. I believe we were up over 80. Or 79. 79 offensive snaps. Then you had two punts, which would have had 81 snaps. Folks, we did the one thing that we, we really haven't done a ton of this season. And that is drive the ball. We didn't really have a ton of massive plays. You know, the longest run of the game was Deuce Vaughn for 18. The longest passing play of the game was Ben Sennett for 23. We really weren't that explosive. We didn't have a single rush that went over 20 yards. I think we only had two or three passes that went for over 20 yards. This was a team... That was efficient. This was a team that picked and chose their spots. And this was a team that was able to come up with the big plays when we when we needed them. You know, after turning it over on downs in the first half, you go touchdown, field goal, touchdown. After punting the ball to start the second quarter, or third quarter, excuse me, you go touchdown, touchdown, uh, and then... Uh, you punt the ball, and then you ice the game out. Outside of the possessions to start the game, this team 
scored, start the game and start the second half, this team scored every drive they wanted to. You know, you went one, two, three, four, five out of seven scoring drives when you were trying to score the ball. Final two possessions of the game, they really were kind of in ice it out mode. It truly was an ass kicking. It, it truly was an ass kicking. Uh, if you look at the uh, team uh, drive stats, 30 first downs to 17, 405 yards to 306, zero turnovers to their two turnovers. We got our first two turnovers forced on the road. K-State, four penalties for 23 yards. Baylor, six for 51. Um, you know, and, and honestly, when you look at how the game roll or uh, how the game went, 38 minutes of possession to 22, that might have been the biggest thing. I think Baylor really panicked because they actually were rushing the ball better than we were. 4.5 yards per carry. Now that's not great. I, I think that's below. That's far below their season average. But I think they started to panic because we were able to boa constrictor the life out of Baylor and make them start panicking and try to win the game, get back in the game through the air. And that was the one thing I said in the pregame or in the game preview episode that I felt very passionate about. Blake Shapen can't beat K State. He can't beat K-State. He's not capable of beating K-State. It was going to have to be Reese. It was going to have to be that squirrel kid. And again, if you look at it, Reese was uh, six yards a carry. Squirrel Williams, 4.3 yards a carry. You know, they had a little bit of success on the ground, but the game plan in that to boa constrictor this game to have these long drives, to take what they're giving you, put that pressure on Baylor, and they collapse underneath it. It was the perfect game plan on both offense and defense. Let's get into talking about the offense, but before we do, remember we are sponsored by Charlie Hustle. Charlie Hustle has the most stylish, officially licensed K-State apparel in the world. Uh, During the afternoon, I was rocking my K-State Purple Pride t-shirt. At game time, I was rocking my K-State crew neck. And then, post-game, I I threw on my K-State joggers. I am Charlie Hustle, basically from head to toe, all day long. And not only do they have all that great K-State, officially licensed K-State gear, I'm rocking my Arrowhead Collection crew neck right now. I was rocking my Sporting Club Collection t-shirt last Wednesday. They have everything you need to look like the most stylish K-State fan or Kansas Cityan in the entire world. So check out charliehustle.com today. There's shops on the Country Club Plaza or select retailers in Manhattan for your officially licensed K-State gear. Christmas is right around the corner. And if your family is anything like mine, we'd love to give each other some awesome gear. I'm going to be shopping at Charlie Hustle for my parents, my brother, and sister-in-law this year, and so should you. Remember, shop at charliehustle.com today. All right, let's get into the offense. I want to give a lot of credit to Colin Klein because 
they basically said on offense, hey, we are going to be efficient. We're not going to put the ball on the ground. We are going to just grind out these plays. Again, when you're averaging 6.3 yards a pass and 4.2 yards a rush, those aren't crazy numbers. Those aren't great numbers. If you're looking at the raw number and you're just looking at that, you're like, eh, yeah, not, not, not that great. But then when you take into account that you're able to convert, you're able to convert on 8 of 13 third downs and 1 of 2 on fourth down. So you go 9 of 15 on third and fourth down. You're able to play like that. When you're going, what is that, 60% on third and fourth down, you're able to do those plays. That is the, uh, everyone likes to look back, and I'm not a stranger to this. Everyone wants to go back and look. Actually, no one wants to do this. But if you go back and look at last year's offense, Courtney Messingham, super efficient offense. Everyone's complaints were situational play calling. I feel like the situational play calling yesterday was maybe as good as it's ever been. When you're able to go 60% versus a pretty stout, especially that that front front six for Baylor, a very stout front six. I think that again, I think you went back to back weeks facing the best defensive line. Uh, two of the best defensive lines in the Big 12. So you're able to go 60% on third and fourth down. You're able to have ball control. You're able to control the entire momentum. Again, that was a record, one of the record crowds in this new stadium for Baylor. They've had it for a handful of years. And you're able to make it so they're they're not really ever able to get into the game. That's elite play calling. That's elite game management. Absolutely elite. Again, there wasn't a a ton of highlight plays. Granted, we saw Ben Sennett absolutely moss someone. Uh, we, We saw Will Howard absolutely thread a needle. Those were great. But it's not like you had highlight plays left and right that, that entire game. That was just good old-fashioned, we are better than you, so we're going to kick your ass college football. I ain't calling Klein and Chris Kleiman because I know he is involved a lot in the offensive game planning. They deserve a ton of credit for the game plan they put out there and executed. Now let's talk about what everyone wants to talk about. Let's talk about Will Howard. 19... Of 27, throwing the ball, three touchdowns, 196 yards, had one rush, or two rushes, for six yards, long of eight, so, you know, he had, I don't know if he got sacked or if that's uh, accounting for uh, the kneels at the end of the game. Yeah, that's accounting for taking a knee at the end of the game. I mean... Listen, Will Howard played great once again. He uh, he he managed the game perfectly. Um, I'm I'm sure we'll talk about this in the Q and A. I'm sure there will be a ton of questions about it. 
you know, Adrian Martinez started seven of eight. You know, Grant only 25 yards. He was nickel and diming him down the field. This is where I think uh, things were different. Will Howard is willing to make some of those risks um, that Adrian Martinez isn't. Now, the one time Adrian Martinez decided to take a risk last week, he threw an interception got absolutely crucified by K-State fans. So I understand the willingness to do all that. But but this is what I'm going to say. I don't think I don't think Will or excuse me. I don't think Adrian Martinez ever got close to 100% healthy or if he he did he might have bit last week but he wasn't coming into this week and he got his leg absolutely crunched on that quarterback sneak which was a first down pickup. If his lower body, if his legs aren't close or if they aren't 100%, that takes away what Adrian Martinez does best in the running game and in the passing game. So if he's not 100%, I, I think you do have to roll with Will Howard moving forward. And again, I'm sure there will be questions about that in the Tuesday uh, Q&A, and I'll, I'll talk more about it then. But let's just focus on what Will was able to do. Had a QBR of 92.3, had eight incompletions, but even in those, I, I feel like a, a lot of the time he he saw the field and he felt the pressure better than he ever has before. He had more pocket poise than I thought he was going to because I think the offensive line played a a good but not great game. There was some pressure. Um, we gave up, uh, and we'll talk about it later. Um, one sack and five tackles for loss. But, but Will had some poise. He stuck it in there. He took a couple big hits while trying to complete a pass. One times he did complete the pass. So I, I'm super proud of the quarterback Will Howard has become. The jump up in his performance from last year to this year has been exponential. The kid absolutely has what it takes to be a power five starter and a guy who can win big time games for you will howard is that quarterback again i i i was not a believer after last year i even was kind of i I don't know if i ever said it on this show i might have but after we saw jake rubley toss the ball around versus an fcs team i was like man jake rubley is looking kind of good like i I, in my head, I was like thinking, all right, well, put him in front of Will Howard uh, because I'm an idiot. I, I don't, I, yeah, I mean, I am an idiot, but I, I think a lot of folks were. I think a lot of folks were, and I think a lot of credit needs to go to Will Howard and his progression and Colin Klein. Again, I, I, I was hypercritical of Colin Klein as a quarterback's coach, um, but if you look at what Skyler's been able to do at his best when he was healthy. When you look at what Adrian's been able to do when healthy, especially versus what he was doing at Nebraska. And now we're seeing the progression of Will Howard. I, I, I mean, I was already there, but I think it is more than fair to say I was wrong in, in my criticism and how critical I was of Colin Klein as the quarterback's coach. Uh, last year specifically, uh, and I'm I'm over the moon about it. I'm over the moon about it. And and again, you just see how happy Will Howard is, and and you feel so great for him. And you see Adrian out there hugging on the guys. He is such a great teammate. And and if it is Will Howard moving forward, 
I have no doubt that Adrian is going to be a great teammate uh, and, and do whatever he can to help this team win a Big 12 championship. But Will Howard, again, 19 of 27, 196 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, there's a chance. I mean, they, they were in the goal line, and they could have uh, done another pass so he could have tied his own uh, school record for four touchdown passes in a game. The guy has an ability, especially, you know, 30 yards and in, to make the right pass, find the right guy, thread the needle, as we saw in the first Ben Senate touchdown, and then give your guy a chance to go up and get it with the second one. Just absolutely amazing. So props to Will Howard, um, and I'm pumped about it. I, I know a lot of folks... I know a lot of folks took what I said in last week's Q&A episode and they were trying to fight with me. Not, not fight. They're like, hey, are, are you sure about that? You know, hey, I'm, I'm not. I'm not the coaches. Um, I, I thought, again, I'm just repeating myself. Will Howard played a great game. We'll hear from it later, but he, he got the uh, Boneheads offensive game ball. So great game by Will Howard. Let's go to the running backs. Uh, Deuce Vaughn doing Deuce Vaughn things again. 100 yards uh, carrying the ball. 50 yards receiving. Um, he was the security blanket for Will when he felt the pressure. When Will felt the pressure, he was trying to find Deuce Vaughn, dump it off, and let him try to make a play. We probably have uh, we have three or four games left of Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn uh, continues to be an All-American. He continues to be probably... The second best running back we've ever seen at K-State. You know, the the guy is otherworldly. He has 39 touchdowns. If people were watching the broadcast, he's only behind Tyler Lockett and Darren Sproles for all-purpose yards. Keep in mind, those two guys were also All-American return guys. Deuce Vaughn, I think maybe... What he he he's had seven attempts at kickoff returns, 145 yards. While those other guys were returning kicks and punts their entire career at K State. That tells you how special Deuce Vaughn is. And we have three games, hopefully four, left of the Deuce Vaughn career and folks need to cherish it folks need to uh enjoy it because that guy is going to be playing on sundays next week the uh, on on his touchdown play on that little dump off route he made that baylor defender look like a fourth grader deuce vaughn absolutely snatches ankles and snatches souls out there when he's out there one-on-one with anyone. This guy is so good. I can't get over it. And again, not just what he does in open field. This guy is putting his shoulder down and driving forward for gains. Even when you think, oh, damn, Baylor sniffed this out. He's able to get two or three yards just putting his shoulder down and driving forward. He shouldn't be able to do that. But he does. 
This is a truly once-in-a-lifetime type of player. And don't let the, the, you know, again, they're different players. They are different players. Uh, But don't let the, oh, you had Sproles in the early 2000s. Now, 20 years later, you have Deuce Vaughn. Don't let the fact that we have had two once-in-a-lifetime players at running back make you think that this is a generational type thing. Because it's not. I don't think we will ever see another running back like Deuce Vaughn put on the power cat ever again. Absolutely amazing what he's able to do. Not just catching, or not just rushing, but uh, receiving as well. You know, Deuce Vaughn has a chance, you know, because if you're looking at his stats, he is currently sitting on 266 yards receiving. With the three, hopefully four games left, there is a chance he can get back up over that 400-yard threshold because he's been a 400-yard receiver in both of his first two seasons. So he is 134 yards away receiving to get up over 400 yards uh, receiving. He's already, last game, he went up over 1,000 yards rushing. The kid is just a beast. You know, his touchdowns aren't what they were last year because he had 18 touchdowns last year. But he is, what, 400 yards away from eclipsing his 1,400 yards last year. He is 200 yards away from getting uh, his 468 receiving yards, what he had last year. I'm not going to put it past him. I mean, hell, he versus KU, he very easily could have like a 300-yard game 150 rushing and 150 receiving I don't think he'll eclipse his uh receiving numbers from last year but I do think he could eclipse his uh rushing number I do think that is in play the kid is just dynamite the kid is just dynamite I love Deuce Vaughn um and I do as we're talking about running backs you got to give some love uh, to DJ the Blue Jay Giddens had 13 carries. I believe that might be a career high. I'm pulling up his game log right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. His previous high was uh, eight verse, uh, or no, nine versus Tulane. He had 13 yards uh, rushing, 50, or 13 attempts, 58 yards rushing, one touchdown, one reception. For 11 yards. It was a career day for DJ Giddens. You know, long of 17, I, th- I believe that was his touchdown. Uh, the kid ain't bad. He, he now has 300 yards on the season, uh, rushing four touchdowns, uh, 42 yards receiving. Again, DJ Giddens is not Deuce Vaughn, but he's a damn good backup. There was a point in the season, I, I think it was early, where people were longing for Jarcadia Wright. People were longing for Joe Irvin. And I don't want to completely run down those guys, but I'm sure it's going to come off that way. Those two guys are not as good as DJ Giddens. Those two guys are not as good as DJ Giddens. And unlike those two guys, what did DJ Giddens do as he's, 
seeing a consensus All-American, a future Ring of Honor guy in front of him? Did he, did he leave? Did he transfer down, uh, you know, to a Division uh, 1AA and FCS school? No. Did he go to a Group of Five school, Middle Tennessee? No. He strapped it in, worked harder, and he is that complimentary back that everyone, you know, wanted those other guys to be. He's averaging 5.7 yards a carry. He's gotten into pay dirt four times. He's shown that he's a capable wide receiver. DJ Giddens is a good running back. And I know we have a lot of uh, hopes that we're putting into some of the guys. Uh, you know, Joe er- or uh, Joe Jackson is coming in next year as a true freshman, uh, still chasing Dylan Edwards and John Randall Jr. and some other running backs. But there's no reason why DJ Giddens can't be a future first-team All-Big 12 running back. And I think we saw last week, or on Saturday, 13 carries, 58 yards, got in the end zone. I think the kid, once he can you know, keep his eyes up, maybe make a guy miss or not go down with some of those you know, hits right to his thigh, I mean, I think he could be that guy. So shout out to DJ Giddens' absolute massive game. Next, we're going to talk about Ben Sennett, uh, future NFL draft pick Ben Sennett. I, I've been critical of that. I, I've even laughed at that idea a couple times. But we've now seen a few games where Ben Sennett absolutely flashes. And he's 6'4". You know, I, I think because he used to line up and still does line up as a fullback on occasion. I think we're like, oh man, you know, he, he's just a fullback, blah, 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 blah. No, I mean, this guy is a pass-catching tight end. You know, 6'4", 247, again, he, no, he's not, you know, Tony Gonzalez out there. But he's 6'4", and he's an athlete. This this is, Ben Sennett is a future NFL player. I firmly believe that. Um, he's grabbed a pass in every single game this season. He has 271 yards receiving this year. He finally got into the end zone. Uh, you know, those were his first two receiving touchdowns of his career. Um, but he had that massive game versus Oklahoma, and he's had a play here or there uh, rest of the season. I mean, he did the full-on, you know, hurdle versus Texas last week. Um, but seven receptions for 89 yards, two touchdowns. Um, the guy was absolutely immense. He was a big-time player and made big-time plays in a big-time game. Uh, he made sure to catch that ball when Will Howard trusted him to try to thread the needle on that first touchdown. He brought it in, no questions asked. And then the second one, back shoulder, he goes up, gets it, mosses the guy. Absolute, it was the play of the game. That was the play of the game if you're talking about highlights. Uh, the, you know, the opening series interception by Josh Hayes, that was probably the uh, more important. Or No, it was Kobe Savage. Kobe Savage had the opening uh, interception. Uh, so sorry about that. Um, but that was probably the most important play of the game. Yeah, the Kobe Savage interception. Um, that was the most important play of the game. But the play of the game, highlight of the game, was that Ben Sennett grab. And and that brings such a big-time element to this passing offense. If Ben Sennett has to be accounted for like he does now, 
that's going to open things up for Deuce Vaughn in the passing game. And now that's going to allow, or it's really going to force these cornerbacks to have to play off our wide receivers a little bit. It's going to force them to go zone a little bit because you cannot afford to go man-on-man with Deuce Vaughn and Ben Sennett being the threats they can. It completely opens up the entire passing game the way Ben Sennett played today. So props to him. Let's talk wide receivers. First off, Cade Warner and Malik Knowles, there's a lot of chatter about would they be able to play. These two guys absolutely gritted it out. And from what I heard, they never allowed the option to not travel and not play in this game. So Malik Knowles and Cade Warner, absolute warriors for this team. Absolute warriors. Cade Warner, 4 for 26, long of 17. Malik Knowles, 3 of 18 for 8. Phillip Brooks, 2 for 17 in the receiving game. Had a big run, 16 yards. I love, love, love getting Phillip Brooks uh, and Malik Knowles, if, if he's not battling injury, involved in those jet sweeps. I love that they handed that off. Overall, really solid games when called upon. Again, when you have Ben Sennett and Deuce Vaughn combining for 15 catches uh, in, what, 140 yards receiving, you're not going to need your wide receivers to come up with big plays. But when called upon, again, Cade Warner, Malik Knowles, Phillip Brooks, all of them, four, three, er, three and four uh, touches between them, all of them were net positive. And I absolutely loved seeing that. RJ Garcia also got a first down uh, catch, one for 10. Love seeing him out there. I love seeing him catch the ball. I, I still, I, I'm not I'm not jumping off the RJ Garcia bandwagon. I thought we would see more of him this season than we have. But I think the talent is there for the kid. And I loved seeing that as well. Let's close up on offense, talking about the offensive line. Again, I think it was a good, not great performance by them. Um, you, you look at it, Baylor did get a tackle uh, or a sack, five tackles for a loss. Uh, they registered six quarterback hurries. Um, so they were in the backfield quite a bit. They were in the backfield quite a bit. But it, it is... I don't want to say disappointing. As as great a game or good a game as Baylor's defense did uh, getting into the backfield, they made the plays when they needed to. Um, When they needed to dial up runs to pick up first downs, they did it. When they needed to give Will time to make plays in the passing game, they did it. They absolutely whipped, absolutely whipped Baylor on that DJ Giddens uh, touchdown run. Uh, and again, they in the running game, you did have an 18-yard run from Deuce Vaughn, 17-yard runs from DJ Giddens, 16 from Will Howard, and eight or 16 for Phillip Brooks, and eight uh, for Will Howard. Um, so it's not like they had a poor game. I I, I think it really was a, a above-average game, a B-minus game versus a very good defensive front, and that's what you need. That's what you need. I don't think we're going to see that sort of challenge from West Virginia. West Virginia still has Sills, I believe. Um, so they have a, you know an all-conference type guy up front. But I, I, I'm hoping we're able to neutralize 
their one guy and uh, take care of business. Uh, I, I think we should be able to shred KU's defensive front. Um, so I'm I'm already looking, when, when it comes to the offensive line, I'm already looking to hopefully what they're able to do versus TCU and Arlington as long as we take care of business. Um, Cooper Beebe, though, he is truly an elite guard. I, I, I have a hard time thinking that this kid is not going to make it onto some All-American lists. Um, I don't know if it'll be first team, but he is the gem of this offensive line. Again, everyone, th- there is no failing performance. I- I've been harsh a couple times on uh, Gilliam. I've been hard a couple times on KT. I've been hard a couple times on Duffy. Um, I've even been tough on Panzer. Um, but all four of them had, you know, I, I don't think, and, and maybe maybe saying they had a B-minus type game might, might be a little harsh, but none of them had a failing night. All of them held their own versus a really tough front. Um, but Cooper Beebe is just another level. And I, I was critical of this decision, um, sliding him down to guard, um, especially when it was KT who was going to be playing left tackle instead of, uh, you know, line gang. Because I'm high on line gang. Um, but it but it was the right decision. The, this guy absolutely is mauling. He is a weapon of mass destruction when he's out there pulling or getting to the second level. Uh, Cooper Beebe's the real deal guard. Let's transition to the defense. And the defense is what... It, it was the best performance by the defense. Uh, no, I mean, it, it wasn't the best defensive performance of the year. Um, but but they absolutely shut down Baylor's offense. Coming into this game, the worst production Baylor had on offense was 20 points versus Baylor. Uh, I believe they had .33 points per drive. Um, absolutely whipped their ass. This was one of the lowest outputs by Baylor's offense uh, in the Aranda era. I mean, you have to go back and, and really search for a game where the Baylor offense was shut down the way that they were. You know, only giving up three points. And even then, they were in a little bit of a shell before the halftime, just making sure we didn't give up a touchdown. This was the perfect... I, I talked about how great the game plan was from Colin Klein. The Joe Klanderman, you know, game plan was perfect. He basically, it, it, it was, and I know people hate the term, but it was bend but don't break. Because if you look at it, we had one singular tackle for loss. One tackle for loss. We had zero sacks and only two registered. Actually, no, I take it back. According to the official stats, zero quarterback hurries. Zero quarterback hurries, zero sacks, one tackle for a loss. So, so how did how did we hold them to only three points? Well, this is how they played assignment sound football to make sure Blake Shapin stayed in the pocket to basically say, "Hey, look, we're not going to give you an all-out blitz and." 
an easy pass. We're not going to make it easy on you. We're going to make you try to thread the needle because you can't. And we said, hey, look, we'll give up three or four yards on these rushes, but we're going to stay assignment sound in our gaps, and we're not going to let you bust out a you know 40-yard run. The longest run they had was 14 yards. They said, Blake Shapin, we don't think you can thread the needle. We don't think you can gunsling your way to a win. And this was a gamble. This was a decision that was perfect. Perfect. Again, that first drive, they were rolling. They were rolling. What happened? They get behind schedule. Blake Shapin has to try to make a play. Interception. Interception. This was... The it truly was a, another master class by Joe Klanderman when it comes to defensive performance. If you look at what K State has been able to do on defense versus some of these teams, again, Missouri had to call three timeouts and get like two penalties on K State to score a touchdown at the end of that game. Iowa State did not score a touchdown. We shut Oklahoma State out. Baylor only got three points. One of their worst offensive outings basically since before Art Bryles showed up. The mob is back. Absolute amazing game. We're the best defense in the Big 12. And they are going to face a tough three, hopefully three more tough tasks before bowl season. Because here's the thing. West Virginia now starting to roll with a dual threat quarterback who brought them a win versus Oklahoma. I see that I think there is no chance they're not going to go with Garrett Green. He had 119 yards rushing versus Oklahoma. Again, he, he's not he's not a passer. 12 of 22 for 138 yards, whatever. So, and KU's offense is good, and we we remember what TCU did to K-State in the second half. So there are going to be tough challenges from here on out, 110%. But this defense is up for it. And Joe Klanderman and Chris Kleiman and Van Malone, these guys who are coming up with the defensive uh, game plan, they are up for it. These guys are good. This defense is borderline elite. I believe if you look at a lot of the advanced met- metrics, this is a top 15 defense in the nation. They absolutely play like it. Uh, let's get to the uh, defensive line. H- here's the thing. You're not going to see a lot of stuff on the stat sheet. I think Eli Huggins got two tackles. Uh, Felix only got one. Brandon Mott got one. Nate Matlack got one. Doesn't look like Jalen Pickle got uh, a tackle. I mean, hey, Felix actually, they actually called a hold uh, on them holding Felix. So, I mean, that's the first time that's happened all year. But the defensive line did their job. They did what they game plan to do. They they wanted to be a assignment sound. They wanted to stay at home. They didn't want to get reach blocked. They basically said, "Hey, look, we are going to take up one and a half offensive linemen on every single play. 
We're going to let the linebackers clean things up. The linebackers and safeties clean things up. And we're going to trust our defensive backs to go and make plays in the passing game. They executed that game plan perfectly. Perfectly. And again, hey, we finally saw we finally saw a holding call for a tackle holding Felix. He should get a sack just for that. Getting back to the linebackers, Austin Moore leading the team eight tackles. Once again, the machine just playing lights out. He's playing at an all-Big 12 level. I will be pissed off if Austin Moore is not an all-Big 12 player. And the best thing, no, the, the best thing is he's a he's a great linebacker. But he's coming back next year. He's one of the few defensive starters that is going to be back next year. And he's going to have to be a team captain. He's going to have to really lead that defense. We saw probably the best game from Daniel Green. Um, it sounds like he, he's been dealing with tar- torn cartilage in his ribs, uh, dealing with some broken toes on his foot. Uh, Chris Kleiman said coming or uh, after the game that this was the healthiest he's been all season, and he played like it. We we we've seen uh, the you know kind of Daniel Green of old, just flying around making tackles. A- another big time game from Daniel Green. Nick Allen had two tackles as well. I think we saw. Uh, Clifton, Jake Clifton out there late as well. Uh, the, the linebackers, again, as much angst we, we've had around the linebackers, um, whether it be about depth, whether it be about you know linebacker or guys who transferred in who didn't stick around, uh, couldn't get on the field, uh, they played great this season. Oh, also, Cleed Duke, uh, he had the lone tackle for a loss. Two tackles on the game. We actually saw a lot of Khalid Duke. I don't think he ever got into the three-point stance, but we saw him shift down to basically be a uh, defensive end. Uh, a handful of snaps this game. I actually think that they should move Khalid Duke back to defensive end next year after Felix leaves because I think Desmond Purnell, he was out there. He did not, the Topeka Cat did not register any stats, uh, but he was flying around there. He he, he was, there's uh, one of those uh, tip balls. Um, I think it was, I think uh, Brandon Mott had a tip and I, uh, he almost was there for an interception, uh, but I think he played well enough. And I think that you have hopefully enough quality youngsters at linebacker that you can shift Khalid Duke back to being the small defensive end uh, next year. So I hope we see that, uh, but 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 we'll see. But Khalid Duke also played well. Just overall solid game for the linebackers, and they had to be solid. Like I said, the whole idea of this defensive game plan was for the defensive linemen not to get a bunch of uh, you know tackles, get a bunch of stats, but was to occupy those offensive linemen, make sure that their offensive line could not get up on that second level, and let Austin Moore, let Daniel Green, let uh, you know Nick Allen, let Khalid Duke take care of business and tackle soundly, and they did. As, as much as uh, we complained, as much angst we had around the quality of tackling last week, uh, they brought the lumber and they, they did well. All right, let, let's get to the secondary. First off, Kobe Savage, I think the most important play of the game, 
getting that interception in the opening drive, um, their opening drive. Um, if he doesn't get that, if Baylor gets points there, who knows? It, it, butterfly effect, it could have been a totally different game. Uh, but he gets that interception. He played great. Kobe Savage, again, I think has a shout to be defensive MVP. Had three tackles. Um, it hasn't been officially announced. I don't think we're going to see Kobe Savage again this season. I'm worried that it is a season-ending injury. I don't have 100% confirmation. There's been some whispers coming out of Manhattan. Uh, I don't think anything will be official until Monday. Um, probably you'll hear on Tuesday he's done for the season. I hope it's wrong. I hope some of this initial stuff is wrong. But I think we have seen the last of Kobe Savage this season. If it is, uh, it's just absolutely immense how big time he has been for us, how big time that pickup was. It, it may be, it, it's him or, uh, you know, uh, Hayes being the biggest impact transfer in that we had this season. We still have Kobe Savage for another year. Uh, truly praying for the kid because he, he he's elite. He he was playing at an all Big 12 level. Uh, and if, if the, the worries are true, if this might be the uh, last that we saw see of Kobe Savage uh, this season, um, some guys are going to have to step up and pick him up because the guy plays with swagger and makes an amazing play that keeps the game going. Um, Drake Cheatham had another interception uh, basically to kind of ice the game. Once he got that interception, game was over. And I think Drake Cheatham played a good game as well, had five uh, tackles. All the safeties play well. You know, Josh Hayes with a massive pass breakup on a fourth down. Um, he, he he probably, and I think he, he won the uh, Boneheads uh, defensive game ball, but Josh Hayes played great. Uh, TJ Smith's, you know, he, he he's tackling better this year. Um, I, I do worry a little bit. He's going to have to play more uh, in Kobe Savage's a- absence. I think he still struggles in pass coverage, so... Uh, he, he's going to have all week to get more practice reps. Sincere Mason got in there. Um, we're we're going to see him. VJ Payne. You have guys with experience. You got you have guys with talent who can step in and play that safety role with Kobe Savage out. Uh, but when you're replacing one of your best uh, players on defense, it, it is going to be tough moving forward. But you have a couple games. And again, we, we've seen... TJ Smith be great. We've seen VJ Payne play in big time moments. We've seen uh, Sincere Mason play in big moments. We, we know how good Drake Cheatham's been. We know how good Josh Hayes has been. Again, it's it's Josh Hayes or uh, Kobe Savage for defensive MVP in my book so far this year. Uh, so they they both played great. And it's going to suck. It's going to suck not having him, but I think the safeties can step up. Uh, Echo Boydo had, it looked like a little bit of an injury. It sounds like him, his injury and Josh Hayes's injury, both of them exited the game injuries. It sounds like it is not going to keep them out next week. Uh, that'll be the first thing I'm really listening for in coach Kleiman's Tuesday press conference. But Echo, once again, playing great. He had three tackles, uh, locked up their wide receivers. Um, Julius Brent's absolute swagger monster, uh, Thumbs down to waving goodbye. Uh, just absolutely love to see it. He played great as well. 
uh, had three tackles. Again, the, the secondary really did lock them up. Really did lock them up. Again, and on this defense, this was the important thing. We know Baylor wanted to go for it on fourth down a bunch. They were 0 of 3 on fourth down. 4 of 12 on third down. The most important thing, when you look at those numbers, besides, you know, what was that? 4 out of 15? Absolutely killer in the money downs. Held them to 27% on the money downs. 27%. Also, the big thing on some of those third downs was not giving up yards to make it fourth and gettable. You know, they like to go for it two or three more times on fourth down, but we're putting them in positions where they didn't have any other choice. Just once again, top to bottom, an elite performance by the defense. In almost any other year, this is one of the games of the year for the defense. But again, shutting out Oklahoma State, shutting out South Dakota, Bringing it versus Iowa State, Missouri. Again, this defense is elite. Final thing before we get to our game awards. Ty Zentner stays perfect. Uh, Hit a 31-yard field goal. 4-4 on extra points. Two punts that he uh, got down inside the 10-yard line. Uh, Great on kickoffs. I think they were all, I think they were all touchbacks. There was one time they tried to return it. Jordan Neighbors, idiot. Because we have one of the best coverage teams on kickoff. So, I mean, again, Ty Zentner's great. Um, he, he should get some all Big 12 honors at the end of the year. I don't know if he will, um, but he's been great. And, and I think you have to roll with him kicking from here on out. Uh Guy's been perfect. The guy's been perfect. All right, let's get to the game awards uh, and call it a day. Uh, we'll have a Tuesday Q and A episode. I'll be calling for the questions here uh, on Sunday. Um, I, depending on how many we get uh, Sunday morning, early afternoon, that might get recorded Sunday evening. So if you're listening to this, feel free to shoot in the question uh, on the chance I haven't uh, done it yet, and we'll we'll try to get to them. First off, the offensive game ball, the Boneheads giving it to Will Howard, of course. Again, the the guy is a good quarterback. The guy has made a bigger jump from, you know, year to year than I maybe have ever seen at K-State. The guy has confidence. The guy has moxie. And quite frankly, I I, I think you might need to roll with him from here on out. Again, I'm not, I'm not, uh, we'll, we'll wait, we'll wait to talk about it. We're just celebrating another great game from Will Howard. Good on you, kid. Bill the Butcher. Willie Howitzer. He doesn't wear 15 anymore, so he's not pen 15. But Will Howard, offensive game ball, absolutely big-time performance. The defensive game ball from the Boneheads is going to Josh Hayes. Again, Josh Hayes coming up with a big-time fourth-down Pass breakup, five tackles all over the field. Josh Hayes is the defensive game ball winner. Swagger sticker from the Boneheads is going to who else? Ben Sennett. Uh, Again, game of his career. 
almost 90 yards receiving, 89 yards receiving, two touchdowns, seven receptions. So the swagger sticker is going to, from the Boneheads going to Ben Sennett. All right, my offensive game ball is going to uh, gonna go to uh, Ben Sennett. He's getting a double uh, double award. The guy, the guy was everything you'd want a tight end to be. Led the team in receiving, got into the end zone twice. Uh, it has to be Ben Sennett. My defensive game ball is gonna go to. Let's go to Austin Moore, the machine. Again, leading the team in tackles in a game plan where the linebackers have to be sound tackling. He made those plays. Uh, so he is getting the defensive game ball. The swagger sticker for me, I'm going with, you know, I'm going with Kobe Savage. Again, the guy always has swagger. Uh, he made the most important play of the game. And I'm afraid uh, the, this might be his last game award of the season. Um, I hope it's not. I, ho- I hope he surprises us and gets back. Um, but Swagger Sicker goes to Kobe Savage. Um, some honorable men. Actually, and then also, sorry, we have uh, Chauncey Bosco, uh, my co-host, the best dog in the world. He's getting in on the action with the He's Got That Dog in Him award going to who else but Deuce Vaughn. 156 yards of total offense, one touchdown, leading uh, rusher with 106 yards, uh, caught the most passes in the game with eight receptions. So Chauncey Bosco's, he's got that dog in him award from the best boy in the world to Deuce Vaughn. Uh, So those are our game awards. Uh, We'll give some honorable mentions. Um, Julius Brents, always an honorable mention when it comes to Swagger Sticker. I think Daniel Green, Uh, Also should get an honorable mention when it comes to uh, defensive game ball. Uh, Deuce Vaughn probably deserves honorable mention for offensive game ball as well. Cooper Beebe deserves an honorable mention uh, as well. Uh, Same with Ty Zentner. So those are our honorable mentions. All right, uh, so the uh, game awards going to offensive game balls, Will Howard and Ben Sennett. Defensive game balls going to... Josh Hayes and Austin Moore. Swagger stickers going to Ben Sennett and Kobe Savage. He's got that dog in him award going to Deuce Vaughn. Lots of honorable mentions as well. (sighs) What a fun game that was. What a fun game that was. The coffee always tastes better on a Sunday morning. After that, the beer was tasting pretty good last night as well. Be sure to check out... Our friends, Charlie Hustle, Shop Charlie Hustle. Go to charliehustle.com. Check out their uh, website, charliehustle.com. Their Country Club Plaza store and select retailers in Manhattan. Check out Manhattan Brewing Company. Again, there, there are some breweries that do like one, maybe two styles really well. Everything Manhattan Brewing Company does great. They have craft beer they have any something for anybody's taste uh it's fresh it's delicious go in there the next time you're in manhattan go straight to the source go to the brewery have a couple pints at the tap room and then take some four packs and some crowlers home with you as well that is all we have that's all she wrote my friends that's all she wrote we love you guys 
Chauncey loves you guys. He's the best dog in the world. And we are the best fan base in the world. Again, we love you guys and go cats. It's time to get set for the cat attack. You can feel the excitement. You can feel it coming on. For Kansas State, the feeling's growing strong. You can join in the action. This is where you want to be. With Kansas State, come on, set your spirit free. Kansas State, our pride is with the cats. Kansas State, come on, join the cat attack. Kansas State, excitement's in the air. Kansas State, the fun is being there. Having a good time there. Purple and white we share. Showing our colors everywhere. Kansas State, our pride is with the cats. Kansas State, come on, join the cat attack. Sports Social Podcast Network.